Hey, Talking Time Lords listeners, this is Jason. I just want to give you a quick heads up. We had a bit of a problem with our recording audio, and we did not catch it until after the episode had been finished and the audio was all saved and recorded. So, um, there's some audio issues with this podcast, unfortunately. Um, We did our best to try and fix it in post, but the audio is going to be a little bit rough and crunchy at times, so we do apologize about that. But the content is great. Uh, We had a blast talking about the pilot here for the first episode of Doctor Who Series 10. Um, So please bear with us this week. Uh, We should have everything fixed and squared away for next week's episode. Uh, But we did want to give you a heads up that it's a little rough today. Um, But hopefully... That won't detract from the episode for you, and uh, we hope to see you next week uh, as we talk more Doctor Who here in Talking Time Lords. So, on with the show. You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now, so get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Wars. This is episode number 66, A Star in Her Eye. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. Hey, come here. Come here what? Come here. What? What are you doing? I I, I need to fix something. Whoa, whoa, no, no, no. Don't get your hands away from me. Stop it. I've watched TV. What do you think I am? Stupid. I know what a mind wipe looks like. Get away from me. Look, look, I I, I, I don't want to wipe everything. I just want to wipe the one thing that I told you the other day. Wait, which thing? The thing with the The thing thing or the thing with the other thing? The thing with the thing. You know, the thing. thing. Yeah. Oh, that thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not supposed to say that on here? No. Oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it closed here. No, nothing, nothing, will, nothing will happen. You had better be a vault. A vault? You a vault. had better be a vault. Okay, fine. I'll be a vault as long as the doctor is guarding his. Hmm. Vault <laughs> past that. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, vault? 
It's going. (laughs) (laughs) We are in the new era of Doctor Who. We now officially have a new episode of Doctor Who, and we're going to have another new episode next week. This is the first time we've had an episode next week in over a year and a half. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost more than my little heart can take. So oh are, my God. are you like all emoji and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you, you're clever, aren't you? <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to get into the episode, the pilot here just momentarily. But first, we want to kick it off with just a little bit of news. So as we expected... The day after we finished recording our previous episode, where we were looking ahead to Series 10, they announced the titles of the final two episodes of the series. Yeah. Because uh, when we recorded, they they had not. Of course, the day after we recorded, they released them, but at that point, we're like, eh, we'll just talk about it next time. That's not all they did. They also released the fact that the last two episodes of the series are going to be the ones that involve the Cybermen. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, which makes me very excited and also very irritated because I'm going to have to wait till the till you know end of June and July before I see my Cybermen. <laughs> anyway, episode 11, the first part of the two-part season finale, not series finale, the series isn't ending, just the season, is going to be titled World Enough and Time, which is extremely vague yeah. and unhelpful. <laughs> of course, both of these episodes are written by Stephen Moffat and directed by Rachel Talalay, which has been the season finale duo that we've gotten for at least the previous two seasons. Um, maybe hey, it's farther been back. working, though, so, you it's know. It's been working for me, so. <laughs> and then episode 12 is titled The Doctor Falls, which is very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, whether yeah. or not that's a literal, <laughs> figurative, or metaphysical <laughs> fall, we don't know yet. Hasn't the doctor fallen before? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so this puts an interesting wrinkle in all the trailers that we've been seeing and the rumors that we've been seeing going around that maybe the doctor's regenerating early. We talked We talked a little yeah. bit about that last episode. Um, what are your thoughts on that whole thing right now? Honestly, we know he's going to be in the episodes, at least part of the episodes with the Cybermen. Yes. We know that. Yes. But we don't know if he's going to be in both halves of that story arc. Yeah, that's true. Now, um, yeah. Now, I know there's a lot of speculation out there, and people are going, oh, are we finally going to see, you know, Dr. Regenerate partway through the season? Is this going to be a thing now? Hold your horses, folks. Uh, David Tennant tried the same thing once before. Um, yeah. They totally went, he's regenerating! And then they said, but he's not. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then because we got that. He was too full of himself. Right, exactly. <laughs> we got the whole hand thing and then the alternate, you know, alternate <laughs> doctor. And it just created a whole, you know, the, the Dr. Donna metacrisis. It was just a weird yeah. thing. Um I don't that think being... they would do that with Bill, though. I mean, let's you know, let's not do that twice, right? Well, well, well but, but <laughs> of course, we have, you know, the Doctor Falls, and I think that's, I'm not sure that means he's going to regenerate, because they have said Peter Capaldi will be in the Christmas special. Hmm. Um, they've said that. Now, whether or not they're lying to us or not, we don't know, uh, because 
Stephen Moffat does lie. Yes, he's he admitted that. So <laughs> he's honest about the fact that he lies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which could in itself be a lie. Yes, quite a mm. paradox, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Now the other thing is though, um, is I think this is a big fake out. I really do. I think they're really just ramping this up, and they're going to fake us out, and he's going to start regenerating, and something will happen. I think this has to do with the master. The master, yeah, the master, Missy, are, you know, putting him through some sort of torture. Um, mm. And uh, that's causing the regeneration energy to go around. Um, now, whether or not he fully regenerates then or not, I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, I think we're going to get... There is one more possibility. Oh, what's the other possibility? The other possibility is that they could pull a Sylvester McCoy... And I actually have him begin to regenerate as a cliffhanger at the end of the final episode and continue that at the beginning of the Christmas special, which would then technically have Peter Capaldi in the Christmas special for all of about 10 seconds. Well, you have a point there. <laughs> um, yeah. That, that could also be a possibility. Yeah. Um, but... So. Uh, either way, there's already rumor about who the next Doctor will be. There's rumors swirling, and the odds makers and the betting uh, people think they've figured it out. And yeah. um, who do they think they've figured it out as? They're saying they think it's going to be Chris Marshall, um, who was brought up by one of our listeners on our last episode. Yes. Um, uh, from Death in Paradise is his current series over right. there in the UK. Uh, they've apparently written him out of the series um, shortly before you know, it was announced that he was going to be leaving the series, shortly before Peter Capaldi announced that he was going to be leaving Doctor Who. And so that's one of the things that uh, people are saying, aha, he's going to be the new Doctor, which is, right. of course, pure speculation. That being said, I'm not familiar well, with him at all, so I have no idea what he's capable of. This did come from the mirror, so they're not 100% accurate 100% of the time. Let's be honest. No. Uh, yeah. Really? There may be 50-50, you know. <laughs> the so, mirror.co.uk <laughs> is yeah. not a reliable news source? <laughs> so they're they're so. about half news and half tabloid, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, now you've just completely shattered my trust in <laughs> journalism entirely. Well, now, I will say this. It's something that a lot of different news sources seem to have latched onto very, very quickly. Yes. Uh, so I'm not going to say that it's uh, completely without merit, but I'm going to say that I've not seen anywhere where there was actual physical proof. Right. Yeah, no, I, and I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, <laughs> everyone is looking to get the scoop on who the next doctor is going to be. Right. Uh, so they'll they'll say just about anything <laughs> at this point. I think. That being said, I, I'm I'm still holding out hope that Peter uh, regenerates in the Christmas special because I need as much of Capaldi as possible before he leaves. So. <laughs> Well, my my only hang up with that is the fact that Matt Smith regenerated in the Christmas special, 
and I just really don't want to see that become a thing where he continually regenerates at the end of a series, you know, because, I mean, you think about it, even David Tennant did not regenerate at the end of a series. He regenerated uh, sort of after the end of his official series and had a lot of specials and stuff that he did to kind of extend that run out. So it didn't feel like it was just two series, three series, and boom, he's changed. You know, you actually did feel like that it was kind of in the middle of a season, if you get what I'm saying. For that reason, I would like to see them keep mixing it up. I I really don't want to see this become kind of the Christmas special thing. But I can get that. Um, But I... I just want as much Peter Capaldi as possible, so I want it to be the Christmas special because then I can have just a little bit longer with my favorite modern doctor. So <laughs> It would make me happy if they carried him over for two or three episodes into the next series and then regenerated him, but, you know. Uh, yes, yes, I would be totally fine and okay with them doing that as well. They're not, but, you know, I'd be totally fine with that. Um <laughs> All right, let's let's just stop speculating about the future and let's come back to the present. We just saw an episode. Uh, a new episode of Doctor Who. It's yes. titled The Pilot. It was written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Lawrence Gull, and was aired April 15th, 2017, which is amazing to say. <laughs> the, the brief synopsis is as follows. The 12th Doctor, now living and teaching at St. Luke's University on Earth, convinces dinner lady Bill Potts to be his private student. The Time Lord and his companion Nardole soon discover that their new friend has unwittingly made a deal with a prospective girlfriend that threatens their safety in a way that even the TARDIS can't outrun. So, real quick, overall thoughts, Paul, on this episode. I enjoyed the story. I liked the fact that it was um, kind of outside the box. Dink, dink. You know, um... <laughs> I will say this, it was one of those kinds of stories where you could not sit down and casually watch it. You had to sit and pay attention to what was happening on the screen, because if you missed something that someone said, you could get lost and not know what was going on. (laughs) That is true. You know, um, I tried the first time I watched it, I tried to watch it. Um, in the family room with a group of people and I kept missing things that people said and I started getting lost in the story and it wasn't until I went back and watched it the second time that I was able to follow it 100% you know Um, so I, I will say that that is one thing that needs to be kind of acknowledged in advance if you're going to watch this episode you need to be prepared to pay attention to everything that's going on on the screen Yes, yes, I will agree with you there. Um, I've seen this episode twice now. Uh, the first time I've seen it three times. So <laughs> the first time yeah. I watched it was uh, sitting uh, at my airplane gate, waiting for a flight to take off, and I did miss a few things. 
not going to lie, because they're all the hubbub and bustle at the airport. Um, then I watched it last night from the comfort of my own home, and I caught a few more things that I had missed. <laughs> so that was very nice. I like this episode. I like it a lot. I'm not going to say it's, you know, the best episode ever, but it's pretty good. It, it's a nice introduction to Bill. It's a nice sort of, hey, you know, let's remember what this is all about with, you know, who's the doctor and all that stuff, which we kind of get every time we get a new companion anyways. But <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. And I'm, I'm really interested to see where this season goes and where these characters are going to go. So we're not going to, you know, play by play it like we like we've done before. We're not going to walk through the entire episode. Uh, we're going to stick to more of a review format here. So you know, we want you to make sure you've seen the episode, which it is available on bbcamerica.com for those here over in the U.S. who have not seen yes. it yet. You can watch it there without signing up for free for the next hundred or so days. Um, it's up there. So, and of course, uh, if you want to purchase it or whatever, you can get it on iTunes and things like that as well. So, Right, right. So there's that. So, of course... The big thing about this episode is we're introducing the new companion, Bill Potts. Yes. What are your opinions on Bill? Did you like her? What stood out to you about her? I think that we were kind of right uh, in speculating that she was going to mirror Ace just a little bit, you know, in in her demeanor. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that that she is very enjoyable to watch on screen uh she's got a really good personality she, you know she's got a really nice smile you know and and that's something that i noticed too you know she's very relatable as a character uh, which tells me that she's probably very relatable as a person so yeah i i think she's a good choice the chemistry i think between uh bill and the doctor is something that we've been missing uh ever since I think Matt Smith left because we had a different chemistry between Matt Smith's doctor and Clara than what we had between Peter Capaldi's doctor and Clara. Mm -hmm. And, and so we're getting that chemistry back that that's been missing uh, between the doctor and his companion. You know, um, it almost felt forced in my opinion last season to see the doctor go to the links that he did for Clara with us not being able to see that relationship on the screen the way that it felt like it should feel, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that this is, I think this is going to be great. I, I think the chemistry is almost sort of back to uh, Christopher Eccleston when the doctor first met Rose. Okay. Not, not in a flirty way, but in a, you know, banter kind of uh, just kind of feeding off one another type way, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoy Bill, and I think you're right. She definitely has some elements of Ace. Um, for those of you who don't know, Ace was the primary companion of Sylvester McCoy's seventh Doctor. She came in at the end of his first season and then stuck around for the rest of his run. And she is probably my favorite companion post-Sarah Jane Smith. I love her so much. She's one of my favorite, <laughs> and, and she calls the Doctor Professor. She doesn't really call him the doctor that much, so she calls him professor all the time. <laughs> and he's correcting her all the time, but uh, I, I find that interesting because we have the dynamic between the doctor and Bill where right. he ends up taking her on as a, as a student, and he's going to be her private tutor, and they've got this, you know, 
student teacher professor relationship. (laughs) So, uh, I really enjoy that. I really like that, that whole dynamic between the two of them. You're right. I think you're right. The chemistry between the two of them is really good. Um, they picked a great actress in Pearl Mackey to come on and, and join the show. So I, I really am liking what I'm seeing so far. Um, obviously, we've only just seen the one episode, so we don't have you know the full scope of Bill yet. But what we've seen, I'm enjoying. I like uh, what we're getting. I think she's very personable. I saw something where Stephen Moffat was saying that the Doctor is the man who knows everything in the universe, and Bill is the woman who feels everything. It's actually uh, kind of funny, considering he wrote this episode, and you literally have the Doctor and Nardole talking in the background while Bill is sneaking around, and and uh, the Doctor says, um, I don't know everything, Nardole, but you act like you know everything. And he says, yes, I act like I know everything because I don't know everything. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, I want to real quick talk about that scene, though, where she's, you know, and we're going to be jumping around all over the place, folks, so bear with us. But I want to talk about that scene where, you know, this is after uh, the Doctor has already brought her on as a a student, and she sees the Doctor (laughs) and Nardole running around campus looking rather suspicious. So she goes to find out what's going on, and she follows them down to this basement this dark basement that's, you know, got a very secure door. <laughs> the door is locked, yeah. but she goes, jiggles the handle, and it opens for her. So she grins and walks inside. Yeah. <laughs> and she's sneaking around, and the doctor is fiddling <laughs> around with something. Uh, we later find out that it's this vault, and I want to talk about the vault later on. But yeah. um, but the doctor and Nardole are examining it and doing stuff with it, and she makes a noise. And they, you know, of course, look up, and what, what was that? And the doctor <laughs> asks Nardle, what did you set the security of the door for? And Nardle goes, friends only. <laughs> and the doctor sort of pauses for a minute. Right? <laughs> do you think he knows Bill is in there? I, I kind do. of think he does, but he doesn't react to it. Yeah. I think he knows <laughs> Bill is there. I think he's he has full knowledge that she's in there, and he lets her see what's going on a little bit and lets her get away. <laughs> yeah, um, that's how it felt to me. It's he's starting to try, you know, he's starting to draw her into right more than just teacher student. Well, I think he relates to her on more of a level like Susan, you know, because every time he talks about her or talks to her in that way, he keeps looking back at the picture of Susan. Yeah, let's <laughs> let, let's Make a, an important note. On the doctor's desk are two photographs. He's got one of his granddaughter, Susan, who is the first ever companion, and one of River Song. The two great loves of his life. Yes. The third <laughs> love is there in the room, that being the TARDIS. <laughs> and, and they sort of talk to him a little bit yeah. during this episode. Well, it almost when he started talking to the picture of River... It made me flash back to the scene uh, with Matt Smith's doctor where River was appearing to him as a projection from the library. Mm-hmm. And it, it almost made me wonder if he was still seeing that projection in his mind. That's an interesting thought. But I don't know. I think she's more of like the angel on his shoulder at this point. Well, 
The only thing that would make me doubt that is that they kind of played that up as if it was the final time that he was ever going to get to talk to her. Right. So that would be the only thing that would make me think differently of that. Yeah. Let's switch focus to the doctor. He has been teaching at St. Luke's University, according to Bill, for like 50 years. I think that's probably a slight exaggeration, but, you know. Needless to say, he's been teaching there for a long, long time. He's been sort of stationary forever, which is, you know, longer than the doctor is normally in one place at one time. Which takes you back to the third doctor. It does. Yeah. Is he banished? Is he in self-imposed exile? What's he doing? Well, he's guarding this vault thing. I think he has chosen to put himself into self-imposed exile because of this vault. Yes. Now, what do we think this vault is? (laughs) Do we think we're going to get an idea of what this vault is before the end of the season? Or does this vault have something to do with the Cybermen? Personally, I'm prone to think that this vault is the mystery that is supposed to uh, be the reason why we have the involvement of Nardole. Okay. Uh, I could be completely wrong in that, but I do know that, you know, Matt Lucas was teasing with fans about there being a specific reason why Nardole was back for this series. And uh, he said that it was a mystery. Right. And the vault is definitely a mystery. Oh yeah. (laughs) So that it is. It kind of makes me wonder, you know, um, but at the same time, I'm sitting here trying to think of what could be so important that the doctor would have to hide it in a vault um, under a, a college on Earth. Right. Well, the question is, is he hiding it or is he studying it and guarding it so that whatever's in there, whatever put it there, doesn't get out? Um, you know, it, it, is, is this something that he put there or is this something he discovered? Or maybe he put it there to keep it safe while he figured out what was going on with it. What if it's something along the same lines as the hand of Omega? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With the Daleks. Yeah. Um, what are these what if, artifacts? What if it's an artifact like that that was built by the Time Lords, something similar to the moment or the hand of Omega or, you know, something of that nature? Hmm. I don't know. That would be interesting. You know, we don't really know if this thing is hostile. Right. Or if he's protecting it or if he's, you know, observing it. We don't really know much about it. We do know he's, you know, concerned when... Whoa. What? What if this is something that is an artifact that was given to him by River? Ooh. And that's the reason why Nardole is still there. Mm. <laughs> well, then. That could be interesting. Because that would continue the River Song storyline without River actually being there. Mm-hmm. And That's River true. was an archaeologist. So... Hmm. The thick plotins. Or the plot thickens, <laughs> as the case may be. Of course, this is all pure speculation. We have no idea what's going on. But that's an interesting idea. There's also the possibility that, his, that this has something to do with John Sim returning as the Master, or maybe why we're getting the Mondasian Cybermen rather than modern Cybermen. Maybe it's the, the new tomb of the Cybermen. Right, right. <laughs> I'd be okay with that, because I love that episode. But, you know, is this something that we're going to open up partway through the season, or is this something that's not going to be opened until the end? I believe that this is going to be something that we're going to find out about probably prior to the last two episodes, if I had to guess. Okay. And then whatever is in this vault, 
uh, oh. either helps or hurts them in the final oh. two episodes. Oh. Or this could be the reason why the Cybermen show up in the first place is because they want what is in the vault. Er, well then. Yeah. What if it's like the the high master king, you know, emperor of all the Cybermen, you know. The controller? Yeah, like the ultimate controller, like the original or something, you know. No. <laughs> the original blueprints for these Cybermen. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, we have no idea. But this is the thing that the Doctor has been on Earth for around, give or take, 50 years. You know, watching and guarding. Or observing, or hiding, or something. Yeah. He's trying to get into it, but it's not opening yet, from what I gather. So, this is interesting. I think this is something that I think is, we're going to get, you know, learn more and more about as the season goes on, but I don't think it'll be finally, uh, the, the final payoff for it will be until the very end. Or so. This could also be a similar scenario to what we had um, in the David Tennant episode with the Cybermen and the Daleks, where this is actually a containment unit, uh, similar to the containment unit that the Daleks were stored in. Yeah. Um, you know... Yeah. We have no idea. And they're not showing us a good look at it, so we can't really study no. the design to see, well, does this look Time Lord? Does this look Dalek? Does this look maybe Cybermen? Does this look something completely alien? Who knows? So they're keeping it very shrouded in mystery at this point. And it's in the dark all the time. Yes, yes so. it is. Um, now, Nardle, is he a robot? I don't think so. I don't believe he is. Then what the heck was that at the beginning of the episode? Where we hear, you know, the robot, you know, he, he's walking bill into the office and he gestures for her to sit down and we hear the robot hydraulics go and then the the little bolt falls out of his sleeve and he has to kick it under the table oh what's going on is nardole a robot oh that's a good point is did did the doctor take nardole's head out of hydroflax and build him a new body Maybe that's the reason he has the heavy coat and everything all the time is because maybe the doctor took parts from the Hydroflax robot and built Nardle a human-like body. Um, maybe he's a cyborg. Maybe. Maybe he is. Yeah. I mean, the head is still Nardle because he's still freaking out about everything. Um, <laughs> it's got to be. But, but I mean, like, oh. what's going on? Or, or has the doctor been experimenting with something and he's wearing some sort of mechanical device underneath his jacket and it's starting to fall apart? I mean, who knows? <sighs> but I, is he a robot? I'm thinking, well, now that you bring that up, I'm thinking you might be correct. I'm thinking that I don't think he's a 100% robot, but I think he might no. be a cyborg. I mean, that, that's entirely possible. Hmm. He's, he's like a mini Hydroflex. <laughs> <laughs> With a non-retractable head. Right. <laughs> that's that's the reason why he's still shaped a little bit like Baymax, you know. <laughs> it's nothing to do with... Uh, never mind, I'm not going to go there. Well, I was referring um, to the round coat that he wears and stuff, you know. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> it looks like it's got super heavy padding in it and everything, you know. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, it looks like it's springtime there. And he's wearing this heavy coat, you know. <laughs> Is he not hot? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he also makes the comment when Bill is on the TARDIS for the first time, and he comes up to the console room, and he goes, "Oh, uh, human alert! Shall I repel?" <laughs> oh, 
And the doctor says, no, she's just passing through. She's looking for the toilet. Oh, hell, might want to give it a minute. <laughs> but see, that also makes me think that he's not robotic, because if he has to use the toilet... Right, then, I mean... You know... <laughs> unless he's, you know, dumping something down the toilet, he shouldn't be, you know. <laughs> like a cat or something. I was thinking <laughs> sludge, oil, you know... Uh... Rutons, you know. Rutons, you know. <laughs> they are made of jellyfish. <laughs> anyway. I love Nardle. He's Ruth. a goofball. <laughs> anyway. Um, when are they going to bring the Rutons back, by the way? Never, probably. <laughs> they could do so much more with them now. They could make them look so cool. Oh, yeah. they could. They could. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll see. We would probably have to get the Santarans back for that. I would be all for that. Yeah, yeah that, that, would, that could be cool. They could have um, the battle going on in the background the same way they did this one. Mm, let's talk about that. That was one of the other points I wanted to mention. <laughs> we got the Daleks for about two seconds. Is that all we're going to see of them this season? We actually got more of the Movellans than we did the Daleks. And right. the Movellans were just in the background, you right. know? <laughs> Is that all we're going to see of, of, of the Mavellans and the Daleks at this point? Because if so, that's kind of, I'm kind of disappointed. Well, if I had to guess, I would say probably. Yeah. But I'm I'm not going to assume because I know how Stephen can be about uh, surprising us with stuff. Right. And, um, right. But I will say this, um, and I don't know if we made reference to this yet or not, but this was sort of like... Like you said before we got started, a jumping on point. Um, yes. Which some people would call it uh, a soft reboot, but it, that's it. You're not retelling the story. You're not starting over. You're just basically giving new people a chance to learn about the show. Right. This is almost identical to what we saw with Christopher Eccleston in the first episode he had with with Rose, in that he goes back and very lightly and very creatively re-explains what everything is throughout the episode uh, mm -hmm. in a way to tell it to Bill without making you know current fans feel like that they're having to rehash everything, but at the same time telling new fans, hey, look, this is what this is, you know, and kind of exploring the universe for the new fans. If you're only going to have the Daleks that little tiny bit in that kind of an episode and not bring them back at all for the entire rest of the series, you're going to have new fans sitting there going, okay, what just happened? Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what was that? What was that? What is a Dalek? You know? Right. Which, and why does he, why does he call them the ultimate fire or whatever? It right. Was? <laughs> and he doesn't really even explain it very much to bill. He's like, that's a Dalek. And she's like, what's a Dalek? And he says, it's just a Dalek, you know? <laughs> so, right. You know, he he doesn't even explain to her that it's a biological creature in a robotic, you know, casing or anything like that. He just says it's a Dalek. Um, right. And so anybody that's new going into this, and if this is their first episode, they're looking at this and they're going, what, 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 <laughs> you know? Right. And so that's that might be one tiny little criticism that I might have about that. Um I know that that I know that some of that was compressed for time because there were whole shots that were cut out of that sequence that were in the preview trailer that we got of Bill. 
Yeah, so, the, the, the character introduction of Bill. Yes. Uh, you know, we, so, we got just a very yeah. little bit of, of that here in the episode. But they recorded a whole scene where he explains kind of what a Dalek is. And, right. You know, and then they, you know, meet the other, the Dalek again at the end there. And then we get the, you know, exterminate and man, all that fun stuff. Personally, I would have, if it had been me, I would have found something else to cut out in order to leave that in just for new fans. But that's my personal opinion. Well, that just means he has to explain what a Dalek is next time they run across one. So. <laughs> but let's talk about the, the antagonist for this episode. That was creepy. It's a uh, <laughs> intelligent oil that eats and takes over a girl named Heather. Well, actually, he kind of gave two or three different explanations as to what it could be. Right. Um, and the one that I kind of latched onto was that it was a liquid spacecraft. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I thought it was left behind by the spacecraft because well, there were the, the scorch marks yeah. around it. But, so, but at the same time, he said that the spacecraft itself would have originally been some sort of liquid-based craft that had taken on a solid form. Okay. So, yeah. So, you know... The remnants of a liquid spacecraft. It's craft. sort of the same kind of explanation that you get with the Sandmen. You know, it will... It I think, could be this or I that. I think that it's thing. this, and I think that it might be that, but it also could be this... And we're right. going to leave it just vague enough for you to kind of figure out on your own what you think it should be. You know? Right, and just vague enough so that we don't have to really fully explain how it does what it does. Right? Um, so. <laughs> Which they've gotten really good at in the last oh, yes. couple of series. Oh, yes, that's for sure. Um, but needless oh. to say, Bill meets Heather, uh, and Heather sort of catches Bill's eye because she's got this defect that, you know, looks like there's a star in one of her irises, which is really kind of pretty, actually. I like yeah. it. <laughs> and so <laughs> she catches Bill's attention. Bill's trying to, you know, talk with her, help her out a little bit when she seems down. And then Heather shows her this puddle towards the end of one term. And she's like, well, look into it and tell me what's wrong with your reflection. And Bill looks into it. She says, oh, well, something's wrong. I can't, but she can't figure out what it is. Yeah. And then Heather sort of leaves and they come back at the beginning of next term. They run across each other again. She's still making eyes at a puddle, according to Bill. Yeah. And then when Bill comes around to, to meet her by the puddle, she's gone. And then, of course, we see Heather in the puddle, basically yeah. drowning. That was creepy, dude. It, that it was. was so creepy. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Um, and then she's recreated by this living liquid water, whatever it is. And she keeps chasing Bill. She keeps following Bill, which of course drives her to the doctor, which is when they take off in the TARDIS. And the doctor experiments with how far uh, they can get before Heather shows back up, uh, which of course tells him what's going on and how dangerous this is and all that stuff. They go to Australia first. And she so shows up in less than a minute. Then they try the other end of the universe, and she so shows up there rather quickly, nearly dragging Bill into the puddle with her. And then they go to the, the battle between the Daleks and the Mavellans. She shows up there, impersonates, and we can assume destroys a Dalek in her quest to pursue Bill. And then, of course, you know, reforms back into Heather. Did you notice that when she became the Dalek, she was a different color than the other Daleks? I did not. Yeah. 
was a different color. Um, and of course, you know, had the, the star in her eye stock mm-hmm. um, at that point. Uh, and then the doctor, fig- you know, they finally figure out that it's because the last thing Heather did was made a promise not to leave yeah. while Bill, you know, went around to come and meet her. Um, and so that's why. <laughs> the doctor says, never underestimate a crutch. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Nardo's like, I hear that. <laughs> I hear that. Oh, man. <laughs> Nardo's crazy. He is. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Bill has to release Heather from her promise and then this Heather creature goes back and invites her to come along and shows Bill what what she sees and it's the universe and you know all this stuff and the doctor says you know you're going to become a part of her don't don't and all this Mm -hmm. stuff and Bill has to let go and Heather disappears are we going to see Heather again you know, it's kind of an interesting thought that to think that we might, um, but it really, I don't think it would be Heather, though. I think it would be maybe Heather's consciousness, but she wouldn't actually be Heather. Right. Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm um, calling this entity Heather for, you right. know, convenience sake at this point. Are we going to see uh, this, this entity again? I almost wonder if this could be something that recurs towards the end of, of Bill's run. Uh, maybe something that leads to her no longer being on the TARDIS. It's possible, but I think we might because there's this whole question of what puts a star in your eye. Mm-hmm. You know, what is that? Um, is that a defect? Is that what is that? And she she always seemed a little bit off to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, there was always something about her that wasn't quite human. If you get my drift, right. you know. And I'm wondering what she was originally there for is she was she originally part of some plan to get close to the doctor um in this vault and she got caught up with bill and got caught up in this other situation it could be Um, that or it could be something as simple as she was dropped off on earth as a baby or something as an alien refugee and she doesn't even know she's an alien you know right um you know because there's a lot of different directions they could take something like that yeah was always something a little otherworldly about her. Yeah. So I just, you know, it's interesting. I don't know what to make of her, um, but I think I think we might see her again because there were some unanswered questions about her, like you know the whole star in the eye thing. What what does that you know and and why was she so quickly and suddenly drawn to Bill? You know, I mean, is there something behind that? You know, did I mean did she know that Bill was associated with the Doctor and see what I mean? The, the very superficial, simple answer is that there was mutual attraction, yeah. you know, between Bill and Heather. You know, that's the, the very simple answer to that question. And Bill and Bill actually took time to ask uh, if she was okay and to, you know, kind of care about her. But the thing is that they had that whole scene where they literally just got up, have never having known each other or anything, just got up and walked to the middle of the room and just stood there and stared at one another, you know? Right. And I'm going... Okay, are you going to talk to each other? I mean, there, there had to have been more to that scene, you know? And, and it was just kind of strange, you know, because it never showed anything other than that. And then the next time you see them is when she's sitting there almost ready to cry and Bill comes to console her, you know? And they didn't even know each other's name at that point. So how much interaction did they actually have before that if they didn't even know each other's names? Right. You know? Yeah. You know, there's... That's why I say it seemed kind of sudden. Right. Obviously, Bill finds her intriguing and attractive. Yeah. The question is, was that 
motivating Heather as well? Right. Or was something else motivating Heather? So, you know. Or was it under the guise of that, you know, with Heather? Right. You know. And we don't know. You know, because, and I, the only reason we're, we're speculating about this is because I do think we'll see her again. And if we are going to see her again, why? Yeah. You know. Um, it almost feels like the same kind of vibe that you got off of a Shielder last series, you know, um, as, as a recurring character that way. Yeah. Okay. There's one other thing I want to make sure we hit, and that's the, the final scene between the Doctor and Bill, and we alluded to this at the beginning of our episode when you yeah. threatened to mind wipe me, <laughs> where we have that, and then, of course, the invitation to join the TARDIS. Yeah. Was there anything other than that that you wanted to talk about? From this episode, I think we've covered most of it. You know, the most of the important stuff. Um, other than the fact that I would like to talk just a little bit about the Movellans uh, before we get off there. Okay, well, let's go ahead and, and talk about those real quick because I want to. We'll probably spend uh, a good chunk of time on this this final bit. Uh, so, what do you want to mention about the Movellans? What did you think about the authenticity of how well they portrayed the Movellans in this episode? Well, I thought it was like near perfect. I mean, I really was impressed by just how good they looked. You know? I mean, the fact that they they looked like you could have added this crew of Movellans to the crew of Movellans we saw in, you know, back in the 70s with the fourth Doctor yeah, um, is not only Im- impressive on a you know continuity standpoint, but it's also bold in the fact that they're bringing us back a very 70s-looking costume in the modern era here. Right. And the, but the way that they put them together, at least in my opinion, the way that they put them together in this episode, it looked spot on authentic to what they had before. But it felt almost as I don't know if it was the materials that they used or what, but it almost felt updated just enough that you could have them be in the spotlight in an, in an upcoming story arc later on, and people right. wouldn't laugh at them. You know, right? I mean, they might laugh at the you know the, the mop hair, you know, the, the string hair. But I mean, but that's you know. Something that's standard for the Movellans. Well, what, what but, but I, yeah, mean no, is, I, I do agree. I think the the quality of it, uh, from what little we saw when they were you know being thrown around by explosions, um, it looked like something that you could have feature yeah as a primary friend or foe uh, in an episode. But what I was referring to also is the fact that uh, they 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 used the the Suntarans uh, design and updated it slightly, and the same thing with the. Zygons, they updated those just enough to make them feel even more realistic, but not so much that they took away from the look of them in the classic series, you know? And right. so you're going to have some people that are going to laugh at the Zygons and going to laugh at the Sontarans or the Movellans or whatever, just for the sake of them looking different. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that the way that they portrayed have or have portrayed those races in the, the new series has been very uh, respectful and done in a very serious tone. And and because of that, um, I think that uh, classic Who fans can look at that and know that these these characters have been treated with the respect that they deserve. You know, um, and and the thing about it is they can take those and have them be played by somebody who might play them in a comical way. You know, mm-hmm. like like we had with uh, Strax, <laughs> but Strax. But you're not going to look at that character and assume that that character is goofy looking. You see what I'm saying? Right. Um, that's just. I, I I really was impressed by what we saw with the Movellans and the fact that everything, including the guns and everything, was spot on with the visuals of the originals. You know. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I want to see more of the, the Dalek Movellan war. You know, I think that would be cool. I would love to see more of the, uh, the Santaran, uh, Rutan war, you know, there you go. Um, and for those of you who are wondering, the Daleks and Movellans faced off in the episode titled destiny of the Daleks, which features the fourth doctor and newly regenerated Romana, Romana two, if you will. Mm -hmm. Let's, start winding up this episode by talking about this this final section here. We get the situation where they're, you know, back in the doctor's office, uh, reminiscing and reflecting over what has all just happened. Um, and the doctor, you know, seems to be a bit on edge because he's going to try and mind wipe Bill in order to protect why he's here. Um, but Bill is a fan of sci-fi. She's seen movies. She knows what a mind wipe looks like. She's not going to let... Not going to let him do it at first. But, you know, he he explains to her his reasoning is that he's here on a mission. He can't have anybody knowing why he's here. He has no choice. And so she finally goes, you know, she on about, you know, she, she says, you know, can't you just let me remember uh, for a week or a day, you know, just let me have good dreams for once. And he just looks at her like, no, we have to do this now. And as he's about to go in and do it, she says, just think, think what it would be like if someone did this to you, how terrible that would be. And they start playing Clara's music. They do start yeah. playing Clara's theme. <laughs> and of course, this is a reference yeah. directly back to the fact that the doctor has forgotten Clara. Yeah. I mean, he knows that she was a companion. He knows they went on adventures, but he can't remember her because of the, the way that that, mind forgetting serum whatever it was i forget how that all worked yeah. um that it, it, it's it a while it's it you know wiped his mind yeah we, we won't get into the whole you know calibration and you know half human and <laughs> <laughs> jason loves it when i bring that up the doctor's not the hybrid oh whatever all right. I can lay that um, whole argument out. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're, we're done with that discussion. We've moved on to a totally new companion, totally new subplots. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Uh, no, you didn't just go there. <laughs> I did just go there. Um, all oh. right. Uh, but, but of course, the music plays uh, for us. We get Clara's theme. The doctor ends up just sort of lightly punching her in the chin and says, go on, get out of here. Before I change my mind, don't say anything, just run, go. And so she grabs her stuff and takes off. And he's left there with the picture of River, the picture of Susan, and the TARDIS all accusing him and telling him what he should be doing. <laughs> and he's talking to them like they're actually talking to him. He's like, no, I promise, I made a promise, I can't do that. I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, basically take <laughs> on another companion. Right. He's, so he's not only is he exiled himself to be this watcher. Yeah. He's sworn off companions other than Nardle, which is another reason that makes me think he's a robot, because he's the new canine. <laughs> you know, that makes me think, what if they took Nardle's brain, put it into canine's body, and let Matt Lucas voice canine? <laughs> that could be so fun. <laughs> Affirmative. Ooh. <laughs> I would like that. Oh, man. <laughs> Only in Doctor Who is the idea of putting someone else's brain into a computer dog and actually um, a plot device that might actually happen. A feasible thing. <laughs> right. <sighs> 
So Bill is running out of the college, heading back to her flat that she shares with her uh, foster mom. Uh, and the TARDIS is outside waiting for her. Now, I got the impression that he had taken a long time to think about this and just happened to show back up at that point and that place in time. Yeah. Um, I agree. Because the way that he put that when she asked him what made him change his mind, he specifically said time. Yes. I, I agree. I think he's probably spent most of the night trying to make this decision, wrestling with this decision. And then, of course, using the TARDIS, which is a time machine, he came back right <laughs> to the right point so he could pick her up before she'd you know, run off too far. He's and, and so had... much better at directing that thing, you know? <laughs> he has. Of course, you know, the TARDIS is grumbling at him about everything, so the TARDIS probably took him where he needed to go. Because um, you know how finicky the TARDIS can be when the Doctor gets behind the wheel. <laughs> behind the levers. Um, <laughs> and knobs. Right. <laughs> and so, of course, we get Bill jumping on the TARDIS, and we're getting ready to head out to our next adventure. I really like this this whole circumstance that we get for how Bill joins the TARDIS. Um, I like the fact that the Doctor seemed to enjoy having her along on this adventure, seemed to really like getting back to the whole, you know, old way of doing things, so to speak, with the companion and the running around and the explosions um, and the TARDIS, the traveling <laughs> through time and relative dimensions in space, which means what the hell, apparently. It also means life. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he, he mentioned two or three different things that that was supposed to mean uh, yes. throughout the episode, to the point where we almost thought the episode should have been called Time and Relative Dimension in Space. <laughs> but that would have been too long of a title. But now he's had his mind changed for him, probably, yeah. uh, by the accusing and imploring thoughts from River, Susan, and the TARDIS. And, <laughs> and we're getting ready for the Doctor to come back and be the Doctor again. Yeah. It's, I think this is going to be fun. Okay, I just have to say, my most favorite line in the entire episode, I thought it was absolutely hilarious, is when when the doctor takes off running and Bill turns around and he's gone and she looks out the window and he's running across the grass outside and she chases after him and they stop in front of the puddle and she says, why were you running like that? And he says, like what? And she says, like a penguin with its ass on fire. <laughs> And his response is ergonomics. It's <laughs> the most comfortable way to run, apparently. <laughs> the funny thing is, I think I've seen both Matt Smith and David Tennant at some point run the same way, you know? <laughs> no, David Tennant ran very straight up with his arms pumping way up past his ears. Um, I didn't mean all the time, I just oh, meant I at some point. <laughs> um, well, Matt Smith was always flapping around anyway. Yeah, his I know, hands right? never stopped, so. <laughs> Can you talk oh. without your hands? Yes. No. I don't know. Oh, nice. Oh, man. I just yes, thought that was hilarious, you know. That is, that's a funny line. I love it. Of course, she doesn't run much different. I've not seen Nardole run at all. So, he, he oh, wait, no, I did see Nardole run when the Daleks started chasing him. <laughs> he was high-stepping it. I mean, <laughs> he, he was running like Cuba Gooding Jr. on Lightning Jack when he was being chased by the bear. <laughs> and that's a reference I have no idea about. <laughs> 
that, um, that scene in that movie is absolutely hilarious. Cooper Gooding Jr. plays a mute, um, and he's supposed to be Lightning Jack's uh, a sidekick, and he goes out into the woods to relieve himself, and a bear walks up behind him, and the the facial expression that he gives off right before he runs away is so classic. It's just so funny. And he's high-stepping it out of those woods. You'd think he's <laughs> going to come out of his clothes. He's running so fast, you know? <laughs> oh my That's what Nardole looked like in that scene where he was running away from that Dalek. <laughs> so Nardole trundles unless something is right on him. And he, then he high-steps it. <laughs> Oh, All right, oh. <laughs> let's start wrapping this up. Uh, final thoughts and how many patches on Bill's jacket would you rate this episode? Okay, um, we go. I'm going to give this um, a. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. Okay, uh, because okay. Um, there were some things that I really, really, really liked, but there were some things that I wanted more of, like okay. like the the Dalek Movellan War. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. Um, I would have liked to have gotten the full. Um, shot of what we saw between him and Bill, where he was explaining the Daleks and things like that. Um, and uh, let's be honest, because it's the season opener, you can get away with making it a couple of minutes longer, you know? Right. Um, uh, sort of the same way that you could with the season ender. You know, sometimes they make those an hour and a half long, you know? Um, right. So, personally, just because I would have liked to have seen even more, um, and also because of the fact that, uh, like I said, that you literally had to be sitting on the edge of your seat listening to every single line that somebody said or else you'd lose track of the story. Those two things are going to give me enough reason to take it down a couple, you know. Okay. So. I'm going to give this a solid seven and a half. Um, this is a good episode. I enjoyed it. There's a lot of stuff. The chemistry between the doctor and Bill is something I'm really enjoying and something I'm really looking forward to, but it didn't blow me away. It wasn't, you know, super astounding and amazing. Uh, but it is also the, the ground, you know, the ground floor, the foundation, the bedrock of what we're building the rest of the season on. And also because of that, since this is, this is only the first episode of this series, right? I, I don't want to go ahead and, and jump out and give it you know, a giant you know, 10 or something, because then when I have something that I'm going to like a whole lot more, which I'm sure there will be one, I have nowhere else to go. So I'm going to give this a nice solid 7.5. It was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Um, it didn't blow me away. It wasn't something that was overly impressive, but it gave me what I needed. Mm-hmm. And it introduced all the new elements of what we're going to see moving forward. I like them. They're intriguing. They're fun. But we haven't seen any of the, the, you know, this is all the introduction. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go. Uh, but for all those reasons, I'm going to go ahead and, and give this a seven and a half. But we did get a, a brief preview at what's coming up next. And as we've been told and as we've been uh, seeing, we are getting uh, emoji bots next episode. They're going to a colony that Earth has set up. And, you know, the robots seem to be the only thing left there. Uh, and we'll see what, what comes of that. So maybe this is going to be the episode, whether we find out whether or not Nardle is a, Nardle is a, uh, a robot or not. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> we shall see. Hmm. So let's go ahead and start wrapping this up. Uh, we do want to real quick here, uh, highlight a couple of, reviews that we've gotten in the last couple months that we've, we've been promising we're going to read. Um, and we finally remembered to pull them up here. 
Okay, so we've had two reviews this year that we want to just thank some people for. Um, Jedi Fox 42 says gave us five stars, says self-described as a couple of yanks talking all things Doctor Who. This is a fun listen with each podcast focusing on an individual episode or storyline covering both classic and new Hugh with the odd book review and big finish audio thrown in too. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, and the title for that was Masterful Stuff and Daleks 2, which of course is very much on the nose for what we've been doing yes. um, in our time between new episodes. Which we make no apology for. Exactly. None whatsoever. <laughs> And then our most recent uh, review was actually earlier this month by Tater349067, who says, love this podcast. It's a five-star review, says, uh, this is a really great podcast. It's really funny, and they discuss classic episodes as well as new. All Whovians should give it a listen. We, we agree. agree with you. <laughs> yes, we agree with Tater349067. Um, so thank you very much for those reviews. Um, if you want to leave a review, uh, we will definitely read it here on the show. So please do that. Um, but if we also want you to interact with us, and we kind of dropped the ball a little bit uh, this this episode because I was out of town <laughs> when this episode aired. We want to get your input on, on some of these episodes and, and what you thought uh, moving forward. And if we get your, uh, your thoughts on this in time, we want to include them in the show. But since I was you know out of town and things were other things were happening, we, we kind of missed that. We have a Talking Time Lords group, which we will share on our Facebook page and Twitter. Go there. I think we want to get some discussion going about the episodes as they you know, come out. If you want to discuss yeah. them after you've seen them, go to our group, and we'll get some of your thoughts as those come in on the show um, if they come in before we actually sit down and record. So The only thing that we ask is that we try to keep it spoiler-free within the first 24 hours, because not everybody gets to watch it all at the same time. Right. So... Check out our, our group, which we'll, again, we'll link on our Facebook page. So go to facebook.com slash Talking Time Lords. You can also tweet us at, at Talking Time Lord. Email us at talkingtimelords at gmail.com. Um, or you can visit our website, which is talkingtimelords.com. There you'll find links to all of our previously released episodes, links to all of our social media. Oh, do we have, maybe we should have a, a link there for our group on there as well. We'll see if we can get a link to our, our group on the website as well. Sure. I think I could pull that off. But yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, so yeah, uh, we really want to get you guys involved, get your thoughts on this and really hear what you guys think about this season. So actually, why don't we do this for our next episode when we discuss smile, we want some <laughs> of your thoughts on the pilot. So, uh, we'll post on our Facebook and Twitter. We want to get your thoughts on the pilot. We want to hear what you're thinking about bill, what you think the doctor might be up to that sort of thing. So go ahead and leave us your thoughts on our Facebook, Twitter. You can email them to us, and then we'll read some of those at the beginning of next episode when we record for Smile, uh, which will be this weekend. Uh, so I, I, I'm just super excited to say that our next episode of Doctor Who is less than a week away. Um, yes. Uh, guys, get your friends involved on the conversation. Let everyone that you know that likes Doctor Who know about us. Uh, leave us a rating and review. Uh, and you will get your review uh, read on the show. Yes. Uh, you know, not only will you get your 15 seconds of fame, uh, <laughs> you will help us to actually grow our podcast so that even more people can enjoy it. So we're we're gearing up for, for this new series. We're excited. We hope you are, too. Um, and uh, we look forward to go on this journey with you. Anything else, Paul, before we wrap up this episode? I really am looking forward to smiling. <laughs> the question is, will it be you smiling or your skull smiling? 
<laughs> the fried egg robots. <laughs> All right, with that, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been episode number 66, A Star in Her Eye. Uh, for Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time... May you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, everybody. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows. 